0: This is episode number 152, Six Tips to Creating a Homestead Business. This is part two of our series on how to make money from your homestead or how to make an income from your land and or your kitchen homesteading skills that you may have if you don't have your full-on homestead yet. Welcome. I am so thrilled to have you here with me today. If you are a first-time listener, then let me introduce myself. My name is Melissa K. Norris, and you are listening to the Pioneering Today podcast, where we teach families how to grow, preserve, and cook their own food using old-fashioned skill sets and wisdom to create a natural, self-sufficient home with or without the full-on homestead. If you didn't listen to part one yet, which is episode number 151, just the one previous to this, I encourage you to go ahead and hit pause, and go back and listen to that one because that's where we break down and go into all of the different ways that you can create real money and a real income from your homestead. And like I said, some of those are going to require you to have property and some of them are not. So there's something really for almost every single person, there's going to be a way that you could pick from those or brainstorm off of those and create some income for yourself from your homestead. But today, I want to give you tips, so this is part two, on actually creating a homestead business. Because if your goal is to create a business, that's a little bit different than just making some extra cash here and there. Now, if you want to go and read all of the show notes, or you need to go back and catch previous episodes, you can always go to the website, which is melissaknorris.com, click on that podcast button, and all of the episodes are listed there in chronological order for you. Now, if you want to just go straight to today's episode, every single podcast has a fully written out blog post with it, with lots of different links to all of the things that I'm talking about and different resources. So to access this episode, you can go to melissakinorris.com forward slash 152, because this is episode number 152. Alrighty let's dig in, okay? You've chosen how you're going to make your income and you are ready to start bringing in the money, honey. But there's a few things that we need to put in place or you might want to think about doing before just jumping in gung-ho. Because creating a true and profitable business is more than just selling an item to someone who wants it, or at least I should say it's more involved, though that is really the core of any business or transaction, is you are giving something to somebody that they want in exchange for money. And of course, there's bartering, and that's a, that's a whole nother episode. We have talked about that in the past. But this is if you are trying to bring in money, is you are exchanging something that you have created or raised, or grown, and someone else wants that, and they're willing to give you the money for it. As I shared on episode number 116, which was five tips on cutting your debt, and my story on quitting my day job, if you've listened to that episode, then you know my story. But in case you haven't, I'm going to just give you a quick kind of recap right here. I quit my day job, which I was a pharmacy tech for 18 years. And I quit that job and started working from home full-time last August, so August of 2017. But I started my homestead business seven years prior to that. That's when I first started the blog, when I had my first website. That was actually back before I had even published my first book, and now I've published two and I'm working on a third. That was before I had founded the Pioneering Today Academy, which is our membership site where I teach you exactly how we do all the things on our homestead and walk you through that with step-by-step tutorials and video lessons and am now earning a living. So I replaced my income from being a pharmacy tech with my online homestead business. But prior to that, we did different things and I shared that in last week's part one episode to bring in extra money as well. My hope with this is to share some of what I've learned to help you do the same, especially, like I said, if you are looking to turn it into a full business and not just bringing in a little bit of extra cash on the side, which is totally fine. Whichever version that you wanna do, there is no wrong or right, necessarily. I have to say, many people, and I would include myself in this statement, especially in the beginning, get kind of starry-eyed when we think of running our own business and being our own boss. Because after all, us homesteaders, you and I, we are kind of a special breed of people that thrive on self-sufficiency. And truthfully, there's not many things that is more self-sufficient than creating your own income. And I don't believe in going into debt even for starting a business. Now, this is my personal opinion I'm not a business coach or a business advisor. So don't take this as a professional opinion or for your specific situation. I'm just simply sharing the steps that have worked for us and what we did and my personal beliefs. Okay. I'm a cautious soul. Truly, I am. And according to the small business advocacy, about 30% of new businesses fail within the first two years. And 50% fail within the first five years, which is why I made the statement, I don't want to, and not that I always go by statistics, right? But there is something to them to look at. And I did not take out any money in order to create the business. I grew it step-by-step. And as I would start to earn a little bit of income, then I would go from some free tools into paid tools that would allow me to do more, And I just slowly over time reinvested money back into the business and really focused on building that up before I really ever was able to take the money that was being generated and pay myself. So my first bit of steps, step number one, is I say start small. In the business and online marketing world especially, you'll hear the phrase beta testing. I'm a huge believer in it. So what that means is testing your proposed business or the way that you're going to earn money with a small amount of customers first. So you're really doing a test run. That's all that that really means. The reason that you wanna do this or you might wanna consider doing this, and a lot of people suggest that you do that, is it allows you to see if there's true interest from people who are going to actually lay down the money. And let me be clear, you'll hear a lot of people be like, oh, you should make these and sell them, or you should do this and sell it, because they are so great. Or a lot of people will encourage you to go into business for yourself, but just because somebody's encouraging or saying like, yeah, that's a fabulous idea, until people are actually handing you money for it, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. So when you're doing a beta test, it's not just testing the idea as in you're getting feedback and thinking what people think about it. You're actually getting money from people. They're paying you for it. That's what I'm talking about when I'm referring to this beta test. And the nice thing about doing it this way is if you're ready, it lets you know if and when you're going to be ready to take it to a larger scale And you can also see where things are broken or if they need fixing, if you actually enjoy it before you go bigger or longer and make a larger commitment to it. So for true example of this would be when I launched the Pioneering Today Academy. So that was back in, oh my goodness, let me think here for a minute, guys. March of 2016. So wow, we are going on two and a half years now. When I first launched it, I only sent out an invite to a small portion of people that were on my email list. And many of you who are listening to this, you are probably some of the very first members. And I made the promise that I was going to deliver a certain amount of lessons every single month. And those people got in at the lowest price that I ever was going to have the membership at. And then After those first initial people came in, I closed the doors, didn't allow anybody else in. And for those next three to four months, I did exactly what I promised I was going to do for them. I delivered the video lessons and I got feedback from them you know, what do you like about the format? Or what do you need to learn more about? Or how can I make this better so that it helps you more? We created a private members only Facebook group where everybody could interact with each other. I started doing monthly Q&A bonus sessions. So everything that the Pioneering Today Academy is now was really shaped by those first few members when we first opened the doors. And then later, we invited more people in and it is what it is today. So not only was that great, because it really let me know exactly what members wanted, not just what I thought that they might want, but they could actually tell me exactly what it was that they needed. Because that's the whole goal, right? When you're doing business, you may think that you're going into it for yourself. And that is partially true. But really, when you are a business owner, it's to serve your customer, right? It's to help them, whatever it is, and to make sure that they are getting what it is that you promised them and that you're making it the best experience for them. And it also let me know if, with that small amount of people, could I consistently deliver that amount of content or that amount of video? Because I still do, actually, to this day. But all of the filming all of that, I do all of that myself. So I have my camera, I set all of that up. And then I'm actually for the most part, occasionally, we'll have a few guest teachers come in. But for the most part, it's me and I'm doing everything on our homestead throughout the seasons. And I'm filming that. And then I'm stopping and getting a different camera angle and all that. And then I'm going back and doing all of the video editing. And then all of the guides, we have written guides that go with every single lesson. I'm creating those, formatting them, writing them, and then uploading that and delivering that into the academy. So I needed to know when we first started, before I went large and invited more and more people in, that I could do that, because that's when I was still working my day job, that I could do that month after month after month and be able to deliver what I had promised. So it was twofold, really both on my end and then also making sure with those beta people that were getting in early that they had a hand in shaping everything too. Which brings me to tip number two, and that is to charge from the beginning. If you've never sold anything before, it can kind of feel weird, especially when you are first starting. And especially true if you've been giving away those homemade items for free to family and friends, it can feel really awkward to say, okay, I'm doing this as a business now, so I need you to pay me. Like, we can feel like that's really awkward. But... It's important for you to treat it like a business if that's your intent and if it's your intent to make money on it. Now, you may have some family members or some really close friends that you are never going to charge. You're going to give them your bars of homemade soap for free or they're going to pay you just enough to cover your costs, not for your time. We're each going to make those own decisions based upon specifics right, within our own family or within our own friends. And that's kind of the beauty of running your own business. You get to make those decisions. But As general principle or general guideline, you really do wanna charge from the beginning if you're gonna be running it as a business. So when you're doing your beta testing, this can kind of go two ways. I've seen it both ways. So one way is you might charge it a reduced price, and that's what I did. I had it as a special price for people when they first joined when the Academy was brand new. And in exchange for that, those people who are your first customers, now this doesn't have to just be a digital online academy. I know I'm referencing the academy, but this could be for people when you're like, hey, I'm going to be starting selling this specific bread, or I'm going to think about selling this jam flavor, or maybe this soap, and I'm trying out some new scents or some new combinations. So I'm selling these cheaper than they will be, but I'm looking for people to give me some feedback. Do you think that the soap is hard enough? Does it last long enough in the shower? Are you getting enough lather on it? Do you like the scent? I mean, there's all kinds of different things depending upon what it is, right? That you're actually going to be having to be your business. But you kind of get the idea. But you let them know those are your very first customers because you're testing things out. So they're understanding or they're knowing going in that they are being charged less because you're looking to get their feedback. And they're getting it at kind of a special first time discounted rate because of that. Some people do beta testing where they charge full price, but they'll only have a limited amount of items for sale or they're only going to let that go for like, say, I'm going to be testing this out. I need five people. This is the price. You're getting a special price. I need your feedback on this. Who wants it? So I've seen that option done as well. But really, when you're going into the beta testing, whether or not you do a discounted price or not, your goal is that those people understand that you're doing it to start your business and that you're looking for their feedback and testimonials if they enjoyed your product. This is really helpful, especially that the feedback is going to be helpful no matter what. But the testimonial part is a really helpful if you plan on doing any type of online selling. And that doesn't mean having a full online shop and website and blog and all of that. It could be an Etsy store, which has reviews, which is very similar. Reviews are, are similar to testimonials, right? It could just be on social media. So you might just be posting on you know, your Instagram or Facebook, whatever your social media choice is. But having those reviews and testimonials from people can be really helpful, especially when you're looking for customers beyond just people who are your friends and family, but you're looking to get a customer base beyond that. Having those reviews and testimonials is really, really helpful. Okay, next tip. That is to keep records from the beginning. It's so important to keep your receipts and records for many, many reasons, but especially with creating a business, one, you're going to need those receipts and your records come tax time. But keeping records is important for homesteading, regardless if you're going to be running it as a business or not. It's still really important to keep records. You want to keep track of your expenses, If you're going the business option, you need to know how much everything has cost you so that you know how much to charge so that you can actually earn a profit and not just break even. But it's also really helpful that now if you're going the livestock route, which you can refer back to episode, the one just previous to this, episode number 151, you're gonna wanna keep breeding records. You wanna know when that animal was bred, especially if the animal doesn't take, but also for you to calculate out, right? When they're gonna have their babies, when those are gonna be born, You want feeding records. This is really important. So not only for cost, because you do need to calculate out how much it costs you to raise the animals. And this is true. We keep these records even not for selling because we don't sell our meat chickens. You know, there's a lot of that we're just raising just for our own consumption. But I like to know how much did it actually cost me to raise this animal? I think that it's important to know your costs. And there's lots of things that we could go with, like this could be a huge rabbit trail. But just let me say, I wanna know if I'm doing organic grass-fed, which is the only way that we raise our meat and do everything on our homestead is organically and naturally. But I wanna know, am I saving money by doing it at home or can I buy this just as cheap at the store, but comparing the exact apples to apples, right? Or for example, the organic grass-fed pork, from home to organic grass-fed pork at the store. And there's some things that you can't really even measure in money when it comes to meat and that is knowing exactly how it was raised, the skill set that you did it, that it came from your own land and all of that. But if you're looking to run it as a business, you do need to know that. So your feed records are gonna help you with your expense as well. But it's also important to keep note on your feed records because sometimes you'll change feed And then you can see by what you fed, if that brings an increase, for example, in butcher weight, or if you've got an animal that needs to put on weight and you've made some changes. You know, it's just important to keep all of those records every year and every season, especially when it comes to livestock, but even within your gardens and for cottage type businesses, you're really going to want to make special notes on your recipes, especially anytime you make a change or a tweak. I can't tell you guys how many times I've made just a simple tweak on a recipe. Maybe I'm trying a new scent when it comes to making homemade soap. Maybe I'm trying a new color variation and I'm going to be using some turmeric and I want to see the color change if I use this much versus a previous amount. Just so many things. How fast did that change when it comes to soap making? Did it come to trace a lot faster? Did it not set? I mean, there's just so many... Things and I am thankfully learning, but I can't tell you how many times I do this. So, learn from my mistake here, write it down, even when you're just doing your regular cooking. Because I always think I think I'm like, I guess I think that I have a superwoman memory, and it's just not the case. I think I'm going to remember, and then when I go back to make it again a few months down the road, lo and behold. I forgot exactly what was it I did. Did I do two teaspoons? You know, whatever it may be, write it down. Just for the love, write it down, especially if you're doing this business-wise, if this is recipes that you're using in your business. This is our next tip, and this is a biggie, and this is where a lot of people kind of get bristling, especially for us homestead types, but that is know the laws for operating a business. Get in good habits from the get-go. Now, you might not decide to grow it into a full-on business. You might just dabble in it a little bit and be like, you know, this is not for me. Make a little bit of money and just decide, I don't wanna do this as a business. And that's totally fine. But if you do decide to do it as a business, then you'll have already established doing things correctly. You wanna, of course, make sure you have all the licenses you need. You are gonna wanna know when it comes to tax time, especially what you can deduct. And a good accountant is worth it, especially when it comes to your year-end taxes because a lot of people think that you can deduct certain things if you are operating from home that you actually can't or you might not be able to deduct the whole thing. It may only be a percentage of it. So don't just take so-and-so's advice or just advice off the internet, because it's not always correct, right? And then there's other things that you don't even realize that you can deduct, but an accountant will know that. So an accountant in your area, especially if you're running it from home who understands small home business needs. Do you need insurance? That's something that you're going to want to look at. And if you need it, then you're going to want to make sure that the policy is covering for everything that you need business-wise, right? And if you're running it out of your home, do you need special insurance added on to your homeowner's insurance? And you also want to make sure that you are paying attention on paying both county, state, and federal taxes and fees when needed. Now, federal law, at least right now, is you need to report anything over $400 in a year as income on your your year in taxes. But your county law and your state laws, especially varying upon what state and county you live in, those can vary. So don't use that same federal guideline for your county and state. You need to look that up and know exactly what those requirements are. And if you need a state operating license, do you need a county operating license? So just do your homework is what I'm saying on that part, especially if you want to operate it as a business. And there's a lot more when it comes to business. But looking up those things and then being able to move forward is really going to serve you. And it's just good that you know that. And you may decide, you know what, I don't wanna mess with all that and I might not do all of this, but it's much better to know ahead of time, if you make this amount of money, then this is the reporting that needs to go on rather than get you know six months down the road or even a year in and be like, oh, I was supposed to report that or I was supposed to do that and then retroactively try to do it if you just know right up front, this is what I need to do. Now, this next tip I think is a really great one. And that is to consider job shadowing. And you're like, well, I'm planning on operating my own business or doing this on my own. I totally understand that. But here's what I mean. Most likely, there's already somebody in your area who is doing what you want to do. Now, it may not be the exact same thing. But If you're wanting to make soap and sell it, there's probably someone else who is already at craft fairs who is selling soap. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. I don't mean that at all. But what I mean is see if you can talk to them or better yet, see if you can work with them for a couple of days to see if you really want to do this as a business. And it's gonna give you a true feel for it before you invest in maybe more equipment or a larger amount of supplies and that type of thing. So if you want to have a booth at a farmer's market or a craft fair, that type of thing, go there and talk to the specific farmer's markets and fairs that you're looking at. Talk to the people who are already there with booths and just observe, check things out. What setups tend to do well? What is when people are walking by? What does it seem to be that they're gravitating the most? Is it where things are set up? Is it a certain sign? Is it sampling? You know, What is it that people are really drawn to? And then you could talk to the people who are working the booth. When do they experience the most traffic? What's working well for them? What isn't? Many people are gonna be really happy to chat with you about this. I do suggest that you be honest and upfront about it and say you're thinking of doing your own booth or you're thinking of selling some of your own soaps, whatever it may be, insert you know, whatever it is that you're looking at doing, but you wanted to see how it was working for them and to get off on your best foot. Now, if someone isn't happy to chat about it, Then just thank them anyways and go ahead and move on. But I found that most people are really happy to help other people and to give them advice. They might not give away their trade secret, so to speak. But I find that most people are really happy when you ask them to tell you and to tell you honestly. And I just say being upfront so that someone, you know, you don't go and talk to someone and you're wanting to sell soap and then you show up the next week after you talked about them with your own soap booth, so that they don't feel like they were kind of bamboozled. So just be upfront and honest about that. And. Oftentimes, I have to say, different places that I've done this with, have formed really great relationships with, and we've actually helped one another down the road. So before I started the Pioneering Today Academy, as I've mentioned, I was a guest teacher in another online membership program, and that was awesome. It helped me learn how to do videos for a course, which is a bit different than actually can be a lot different than just doing a YouTube video or Facebook lives, which I'll link to those because I do have a YouTube channel and I do do Facebook lives and I do do a lot of free step-by-step teaching and tutorials in those, but it's different when you are filming for an actual course. And it also let me test the waters to see if it was something that I enjoyed and if I would even want to do on a regular basis. And then when I did launch my own membership, the person that I had guest taught for was super, super supportive. And so that was really, really nice to have that person's support and to know that they really helped me get started. So you can have a really good relationship with somebody, like I said, as long as you're upfront about everything. My next tip I think is really important and one often overlooked, and I have to say that this is something that I am still working on and have often overlooked myself, that is know when it's not working. I say this because sometimes we stick with something because we said we would, and don't get me wrong, being a person who stands behind what you say and a man or woman of your word, that is a very, very good thing. But just because you say you're going to try your hand at selling soap or candles or running a business doesn't mean that it has to be forever. I think you should give it you know, a good try. But if you are not growing or you're not making enough to cover costs and making a profit, take some time to reevaluate. It may be you need to look at finding new customers or new avenues to sell whatever it is that your business is. It may be you need to find a way to get a better price on your ingredients so that you are lowering how much it costs you to make the item so that there's a larger profit margin. I mean, there's lots of different things that it could be. Or sometimes you find yourself and you're making decent money, so you are covering your costs, you're making a profit margin, but you don't enjoy it anymore. You dread making the product, you are totally stressed out, you don't wanna go to the craft fair or set up a booth, whatever it is, and there's lots of things that it could be. And sometimes businesses are seasons, right? There's seasons of our life, and it's totally okay to pivot and look at it and be like, this is not what I wanna be doing anymore, and that's okay. But I think it's also important to look at it and say, is there something that I could cut out? Or consider not doing anymore without giving all of it up, and just continue doing the part of it that I really enjoy. I have to say that there has been many things in my homestead business, which is under the pioneering today LLC, the website, the blog, the podcast, the books—I mean, you know—all those different moving parts of it, and the academy as well—that I was doing something for way too long when I should have had the wisdom to let it go. And this can apply to a lot of areas of our life, right? Not just business. I mean, this can apply to everything. It can apply to things that you're doing in your house, relationships, just so many things. But I think it's important when we are filled literally with dread or the thought of having to do something makes us want to cry, or maybe it does make you cry. I've been there too. When something is affecting you that much and that harsh, I think we really need to stop take a moment and look at it and look at some way to change it and to make it better because life is way too short to live that way. Okay, guys, on to our verse of the week, even though I feel like I was just doing a little bit of preaching to myself there. So today's verse of the week, we actually got two verses, but they go right together. And that is from Proverbs chapter one, verse four and five. And this is the amplified translation of the Bible. Verse 4, that prudence may be given to the simple, and knowledge, discretion, and discernment to the youth. The wise also will hear an increase in learning, and the person of understanding will acquire skill and attain to sound counsel, so that he may be able to steer his course rightly. And I felt like this just really applied to everything that we were talking about today. And not just business-wise, because you may have no desire to start a business, but you might from your homestead. But I think seeking wise counsel and acquiring skill so that we can steer our course rightly is so important. And I also think it's important to know that it's going to look slightly different For almost everybody, we all have a slightly different course. Some of us have a lot different course, not slight. It's going to be a huge veering. It's important to take sound counsel from people that we trust, but then to take that in prayer, if you're a Christian, which I am, of course, I'm reading a Bible verse to you, right? In every single episode. But to take that advice and put it against the word of God, your situation, and to take it to prayer so that then you can move rightly for you and the path that the Lord has laid out for you. I wanna thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Pioneering Today podcast. I hope that you have enjoyed this series. I know it's a little bit different than what we normally talk about, where normally we're we're talking about really hand-on tactical skills in the homestead. But if you have enjoyed this series, and if you would want more of this type please do let me know because this is your podcast just as much as it is mine. So I love getting your feedback, reading the reviews on iTunes, or if you hop over to the show notes, which is at com forward slash 152 for this one in the comments or on social media and email. I so adore getting those. And if you have enjoyed this episode, make sure that you are subscribed. So if you're listening via iTunes or Stitcher or whatever app that you're listening to this, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And then every time a new episode comes out, it will show up magically there for you to listen to. So you don't have to go and hunt and search for it and see, oh, is there a new one up? Boom, it just comes there, which I love. I tend to be a little bit of a podcast junkie and listen to quite a few. And so my favorites I subscribe to, so they're always there and waiting for me. And if you are looking for more, you're like, you know what? I really wanna pursue doing this business from my homestead or taking a business route One of my favorite podcasts to listen to is Amy Porterfield, and that is Marketing Made Easy. And it's a lot more on online marketing, but a lot of it doesn't have to do just with marketing. That kind of tends to have a bad name too, but really on running a business. So that's one of my favorites that you might wanna check out as well. Thank you so much. I hope you have an awesome week. Until our next episode, talk soon.